Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life balance expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors and experts from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help you on your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Eastern. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. This is Deb Crow, host of the Change Book Radio Show. And I'm so excited this month, as I mentioned last week. Our month of May sponsored is the Hope After Brain Injury Network. And we will be highlighting different speakers and showing different elements of this network throughout the month. And today, I'm thrilled to have the publisher of their magazine, which we're going to talk about shortly, and his name is David Grant. And I'd like to give you a little little glimpse into who David is, and then we'll bring him on live for the interview. David is a freelance writer, and he is also the author of Metamorphosis, Surviving Brain Injury. In 2010, David was struck by a car while cycling. In brutally honest detail, David's 2012 memoir chronicles the challenges he faced during the days and months immediately following his injury. David's writing focuses on the importance of rebuilding a meaningful life after traumatic brain injury, in addition to writing a regular column published by the Brain Injury Association of New Hampshire and contributing to Brain Injury Journey magazine. David has dedicated himself to advocacy on behalf of the brain injury community. In early 2013, he founded the Facebook page, TBI Hope and Inspiration, and in its first year alone, the page has emerged as a vibrant and important online support platform for both people living with brain injury and their caregivers. A New Englander by birth, David and his wife Sarah live in southern New Hampshire, Most of their eight children are now grown, and he's never one to slow down. David still averages 25 miles a day on his bicycle. So, David, welcome to the Changebook Radio Show. Hi, Deb. Thank you for having me. You know, it's such an honor for me. We we really connected as cyber colleagues a month and a bit ago, and to our own surprise, we were shocked and a little bit surprised ourselves that our, our paths had never crossed because I've worked in the field of brain injury rehab since 1990. So I think it was a connection meant to be. What, what do you think? Well, when you think about it, there are, there are several, several million people in the U.S. alone, not counting Canada, who have been impacted by brain injury. So the fact that a few of us are out there and haven't crossed paths is unsurprising at all. Um, it's 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 very unique, and I, I'm so happy that I stumbled across the network and the magazine, and I just was wondering if we could start by you giving us an overview of the network and kind of how it came to fruition and, and what its primary role uh, is for survivors and their families and even caregivers. 
Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Actually, the the um, the uh, <clears throat> for most of us that are within the brain injury community, um, we can look back and and talk about that day. And that day is uh, defined um, generally within two ticks of a clock, where life as we used to know it ended, and our new lives as either brain injury survivors, caregivers, or family members began. Uh, for me, that day was on November 11th, 2010. Um, I'm actually down to about 15 miles a day. I'm a little older than I used to be, and it, it's still a pretty good clip for a middle-aged guy in New Hampshire. Um, but on, on that day back in um, uh, late fall of 2010, I went out for what I'd expected to be a um, regular late fall uh, cycle, and I was 23 miles into um, into my ride uh, at a very familiar intersection, and uh, I was struck by a 16-year-old newly licensed driver. Um, the um, injuries were catastrophic. I had broken bones, um, torn ligaments. Uh, uh, I was able to speak with a police officer who was on scene at uh, a future date, and he shared that I had literally gone right through the windshield of this young man's car and landed on the front seat, and when he hit the brakes, physics do what physics do, and I ended up flying about 50 feet down Main Street and uh, knocked unconscious, taken to the nearest trauma center, and um, my um, life as a brain injury survivor started that day. And, and it's funny, Deb, it was both, um, it was a horrible day, but I take a look at the life that has come to pass since, um, you know, November of 2010, and um, in one respect, it was one of the best days in my life. And a, a lot of folks may look uh, askance at me by saying that, but it's opened up this entire new um, opportunity to serve humanity and use my experience and help others. You're a contributing writer to the May issue of Hope Magazine and to use that as a mechanism to make life easier for folks. Um, when I was first injured, um, I reached out to our local Brain in Injury Association for a support group. And interestingly, here in New Hampshire, the closest support group was about 60 miles away. And uh, in the first um, oh, year or so after my injury, a day that I could tie my shoes and actually tell you what day of the week it was, those were good days. So the, the, uh, the option of uh, taking a 120-mile round trip for a support group really didn't work. And as uh, my wife and I started to move further into our lives as both um, uh, my life as a brain injury survivor, um, my wife as the spouse of a survivor, we started to realize there was a voluminous void in support for brain injury survivors. Um, Four or five months after my accident, I uh, was notified of a uh, newly formed support group about a half a mile from my home for brain injury survivors. Um, at that point, um, I was actually for the first time uh, in the presence regularly of others who shared my fate. And I can't stress the importance of connecting with other folks that have similar life experiences. And uh, once a month or so, we'd get together, and there would be uh, this immense sense of relief. Uh, oh, my goodness, I'm with people that actually get it. I'm no longer alone. 
I can come in here and if my speech happens to not be working well that day, nobody cares. If I have trouble with word finding issues, um, folks are patient. Um, uh, it felt like a home away from home. But the challenge is for the 29 or 30 days between our monthly meetings, there was a void. Um, I tend to be uh, rather active in terms of um, on the internet with my work professionally and uh, started a small Facebook group specific to the members of that face-to-face -face support group. And we had the opportunity early on to connect regularly, to um, kind of check in, bounce things off of each other, and just it was an easy um, to use mechanism that allowed us to stay um, connected during the, um, the window of time between the face-to-face -face meetings. And at some point during my first year, I thought, you know, I'm not the only one out there. And there are others out there who uh, would benefit by connecting um, within the, within the um, survivor community. And as you've seen in your own life, there are a lot of challenges that brain injury survivors face. I'm dual diagnosed as both a traumatic brain injury survivor as well as um, I live with uh, PTSD. So some of my challenges that are shared by many um, going out and being around a lot of people at times can be overwhelming. There were days early on that the thought of getting in a car was just off, uh, off my radar screen. It wasn't possible. So my, um, uh, my hope was to create a small public forum where folks could, kind of like an oasis in a desert, fo desert. folks could come in, uh, check on the page, maybe read something that inspires them, offers them hope, helps them to realize that they're not alone, and then move on in their day. And um, in the spirit of uh, brevity today, if we fast forward to um, where we're at as a community, um, uh, at this point in time, we've got just under 30,000 members we are one of the largest concussion and brain injury support communities worldwide. Uh, we average uh, anywhere between a quarter million and a half a million user engagements per month. And there isn't a week that goes by that I don't find that a new member somewhere has posted. Um, oh my goodness, I am so grateful that I found this group. I am no longer alone. And that's the heart of our mission, Deb, to uh, help other survivors to realize that they're not alone and also where possible to provide meaningful resources um, as they journey the road that none of us expected to, to, to walk on. So there's the uh, kind of the elevator version. Well, and I, I think it's so important just to have that feeling of inclusion and relatability because TBI, otherwise known as traumatic brain injury, and you also talked about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, for our listeners who don't know our world of acronyms. And brain injury is truly a hidden hurt because you can look at someone who has an acquired brain injury and they look fine. You know, it's not like there's a cast on their arm or something physical. And I think one of the main points that you brought out was just being in a loud place is a very difficult feat for anyone with a brain injury. And again, uh, just to repeat what I said, inclusion and relatability for someone to acknowledge that 
they know how you feel. That is like a breath of fresh air for someone with a brain injury. And, you know, I, I have both been a professional in this world for 28 years, but I also am a parent and a caregiver. So I see the lens from both sides. And I think one of the things I want to talk to you about is the difference between sympathy and empathy. And I think sometimes people get greatly confused because they're not educated or they're apprehensive how to be and how to act and what to say. And I just wanted to ask you as a survivor and even in that role as you are for advocacy, just how does that paradigm between sympathy and empathy resonate you both as a professional and a, and a survivor? Well, that's a really good question. I think one of the biggest blessings that both my wife and I um, have these days is we understand the struggles of others, not because we've read about them in a book, but because we've actually lived them. And years ago, I heard uh, the uh, nice working definition for sympathy versus empathy is sympathy is I feel sorry for your challenges and your pain and your loss. And empathy is I understand because I have lived them personally. Um, There isn't, I I got an email two or three days ago from another survivor who, to quote him, quote, stumbled across your writing. And he shared in his email that he started following our community about a year ago and expressed thanks and closed with saying that it quite literally saved his life. Um, In one respect, we're not about um, making the journey solely about making the journey easier for others. Um, My first year as a survivor, um, I fondly call it TBI boot camp. It was the most abysmal, stressful difficult um, period of my entire life. I was 49 when I was injured. And um, in one respect, I'm a typical brain injury guy. Um, My personality shifted. It's kind of like taking your house off of one foundation and putting it on another. My ability to work fell by the, in a meaningful way, fell by the wayside. And um, um, my wife and I have made the, the choice to be extremely transparent in our struggles to not candy coat anything in hopes that others can find the end to their isolation. And I want to touch on one point as well. Um, what I bring to the table is a layperson's um, experience within the brain injury community. Um, although I've heard from a number of professionals that as survivors, very often we can be teachers to those that have professional accreditation. Um, but in my early, we'll call it blissful ignorance, I assumed that all brain injuries were traumatic brain injuries. And for the first year or two after the uh, formation of our social community, uh, a few times a year, uh, sometimes a little more often, I'd have folks that would reach out to me um, privately and say, look, I've had a stroke. Can I join your community? Or I've had an anoxic brain injury. Can I join your community? And um, uh, late last year, we went through the process of essentially rebranding our endeavor from TBI Hope and Inspiration, which was the initial uh, organizational name, the kind of the canopy that all of our pieces fell under, 
to the Hope After Brain Injury Network. And the intent by changing that was to let folks know immediately and from the get-go, um, if you have a brain injury of any kind, you are welcome. Uh, we were looking to broaden the hoop that folks could jump through and be more inclusive um, and hopefully touch more lives for the better. So. Well, I'm really happy to hear that because if we, if we look at, let's call it the umbrella of neurotrauma, Brain injury can come from a cycling accident, uh, a motor vehicle accident, a brain tumor, a stroke, an aneurysm. There's many different modalities of injury that can land up with the final diagnosis of a brain injury. So I'm sure you have welcomed many more members since you've done that. And again, you've just kind of allowed the floodgates to open for inclusion and relatability. And I also loved what you said about transparency because I, you and I joked before we went live and sometimes with brain injury, people don't have filters. And to be Mm -hmm. honest, I, I really like it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, very infrequently does anybody have to say, David, what do you really mean? And I, I, I want to circle back to the uh, the first year after my injury, and I know I'm not alone in this. I uh, The concept is called um, ambiguous loss or ambiguous grief. And it's um, kind of like waking up. It's hard to describe, but it's like waking up as a different person within a familiar body. The personality shifts for so many of us are just dramatic. And um, I went through months and months of trying to figure out who I was, where did life as I know it go, because of the personality shift. And you have, I can say with a fair degree of certainty, seen it. Um, many of us lose um, uh, a large number of our closer friends because they don't know what to make of the new person. And human nature is such that we tend to uh, run from that which we don't understand. And uh, suicide was a, was a pretty regular thought for probably half a year. And um, um, I'm very fortunate in that that suicidal ideation has disappeared as, as we've moved deeper into our role as advocates. But there are many folks within the brain injury community who don't succumb to their injury initially, um, but who ultimately um, lose their lives because of the challenges faced post-injury. And the part that, um, uh, if you're trying to wrap your mind around it, is just heartbreaking, is if we only could have reached somebody with resources and the knowledge that they're not alone before that final choice. So there's a level of um, seriousness to it all because uh, in many respects, lives depend on letting folks know that you can indeed rebuild a new life, albeit different, and a rewarding life albeit challenging, after brain injury. Well, I think that that is such a valid point, and I want to just touch on what you started with, and that's the social isolation. And again, it it, it kind of goes parallel with that hidden hurt because they notice the, the difference in behavior and emotional response, but what they don't see is when you're among a crowd of people, it's not that you don't want to engage in meaningful activity and meaningful conversation. There's just 
so many conversations going on that someone with a brain injury isn't able to compartmentalize and get rid of all the extra noise while carrying on a quality conversation. So again, all those compensatory strategies that you learn as a survivor have to be integrated into your activities of daily living. And I know that pacing is another one that my clients and even my own daughter struggles with. So after the injury, this is my question for you, is there's so many things that you need to be cognizant and working on, like pacing and monitoring your fatigue. And what are some of the best strategies that have worked for you and that continue to um, add value to your daily life and kind of keep you on track? Oh, that's actually, that's another really good question. Early on, there were no compensatory strategies. Um, I was treading water just to stay alive. Um, uh, I think one of the biggest pieces uh, that helped me during that first couple of years, and I, I touched on it earlier, was regular contact with other brain injury survivors, um, we get each other. Um, when I'm in the presence of somebody who maybe uh, shares my um, genetic makeup of being part Irish and part English, you know, we've got that commonality. If I've got somebody who may be a cousin or second or third cousin, there may be that commonality. But when I'm in the presence of somebody who is uh, also a brain injury survivor, there is an instant bond. I can look at that person and say, man, I know your struggles. And um, there's a connection unlike anything I've ever experienced. Um, Early on, one of the challenges that I faced is that all of us within our support group, most of us were about, uh, we had very similar accident or injury dates with the exception of a couple of what I fondly call TBI old timers. Um, as I continue to move forward on this new road, I found that there is a lot of uh, wisdom out there, folks that are uh, within the survivor community that have been there for 10, 15, 20, 30. One of my closest post-injury friends is a 40-year survivor. And the knowledge pool that long-term survivors have um, uh, is simply stunning. And early on when I started to make these connections, primarily online in the social communities with uh, survivors that had been walking the road longer than I have, the one line that I heard regularly that I will share with you and your listeners today is, time is your friend. Um, I wanted my life back and I wanted it back now. I didn't, I, I had had enough and I was tired of struggling and tired of the losses and, you know, darn it, just let's get back to the way things were. And uh, that didn't happen. The other piece that I have learned the hard way is that recovery is a lifelong process. And there are times where uh, month over month, six months over six months, I may not see gains but if I look back on yearly increments, I'm doing things now at almost seven and a half years out that I was incapable of at six and a half years out. At five years out, I was doing things unfathomable during my first year. So the first piece is to embrace time, not as your enemy, but as your friend. The second compensatory strategy we've touched on a few times was um, 
to surround yourself with a group of like-minded peers who all have the same goal. Um, one of the things that was rather stunning as we started to grow the social network is how often I had conversations with rural survivors in rural communities in North Dakota, in Western Canada, um, in um, Utah, that had no access at all to peer-to-peer -to -peer support. And uh, they found solace in their journey by um, connecting with other survivors in online communities. Um, a quick note on that, online communities, there are a number of them out there. And they're like people. They all have their own personality. And if somebody jumps into a community and it doesn't feel quite right, uh, do a little bit of exploring. Uh, the um, Our TBI Hope and Inspiration Facebook community um, is very welcoming, it's very inclusive, but it's not the only one out there. And the third piece in kind of the trifecta that, that ha continues to help me, there's been a lot of information out there about hypo hypobaric oxygen chambers, HBOT, and um, I got back on a bike uh, somewhere in the first few months after my accident, and I am a huge proponent of regular cardio as a mechanism to speed brain injury recovery. Um, at about a year out, uh, a local well-respected neuropsychologist uh, shared after my wife, after I went through neuropsych testing, we, we got together for um, what I fondly call the great reveal. And he looked at me with um, pity in his eyes and said, David, you're permanently disabled. Your recovery is essentially over. Um, I can give you the information that you need so that you could get a handicap placard for your car. Um, your testing showed that you were in the five per, under five percentile based on your age and gender for complex problem solving and verbal recall. And he basically said, right off the rest of your life, David, you're going nowhere. And um, that was a, we, we could talk for an entire show about that alone. And I didn't really make it my mission to prove him wrong, but I did make it my mission to get as well as I could. And again, in the spirit of honoring our time, um, I still cycle between 45 minutes and an hour a day. There are those that, whether it be PTSD, um, agility or mobility challenges, are unable to do that. They're stationary bikes. Um, and again, it's not for everyone, but for those that are able to, I would encourage uh, an aggressive exercise regime. Uh, we're going to rewind to about three months ago. Um, I'm now a member of the uh, board of directors for the uh, Brain Injury Association of New Hampshire, um, another gift subsequent to my injury. And we've got a new board member who recently joined us. Uh, she came up to New Hampshire. She was um, active at the uh, Walter Reed Hospital down just outside of D.C. working with veterans. Her area of expertise was brain injury and PTSD. And she shared with our support group that there is an emerging body of scientific evidence that shows that regular aggressive exercise bathes the brain in chemicals that have now since forgotten. But the emerging data says that it's one of the biggest benefits that, uh, one of the biggest things that you can do to speed your recovery. And if you look at it with a little bit of perspective, it's not that much different than um, HBOT, 
where HBOT is, um, we'll get away from the acronym um, world, but that's the same type of treatment that they put divers in that are coming up from very deep dives. And it's basically highly oxygenated um, air that they're breathing. So that it's kind of in tangent with, uh, with that. And uh, I believe that's probably been one of the biggest single um, reasons, if not the single biggest, that I've been able to come back to a life um, that isn't defined by constant misery and challenges. Well, I am a huge proponent of daily exercise. So even if we put the brain injury aside, what what does exercise have to do with the brain? Right, right off the hop, it improves your mood. It doesn't matter if you have a brain injury or not. Physical exercise always improves your mood because you're increasing the production of serotonin, which is a critical neurotransmitter that's found in the brain. So I can only imagine the goodness it gives to someone with a brain injury. Regular exercise also changes the brain to help improve memory and thinking skills. So survivors left with some impairment in those areas, that just gives another good reason to be physically active. And then all the big ones that go ahead of uh, everything else that we hear when we're growing up. It reduces uh, the odds of us developing heart disease or stroke or diabetes. And I think good aging with or without a brain injury, physical movement every day is needed because we've become such a sedentary technology dependent society that I just think regular movement's a good thing overall, and I'm I'm happy to hear some of the strategies that you use. And I still think 15 miles is pretty good. You you ride your bike a lot more than I do. So, but even you know, no joking aside, just hearing you be back on your bike, and I know some of the psychological difficulties that you may have had to get back on your bike shows me, you know, the strength and tenacity that you had to have that similarly similar activity before your brain injury and you've got back to that. And it may not be to the level that you did before, but it's certainly to the level that you can handle now. And that's very commendable because I know from being in this world professionally, I know the amount of work and effort and time that you put in to do that. So kudos to you for, for riding your bike every day. Thank you. It, it took me about a year to actually, I'm in a neighborhood here in Southern New Hampshire that's divi- defined by quiet streets. <clears throat> We've got about a 20 block area that where most of the vehicles are traveling about 20 miles an hour uh, residential area. And on four sides, there are um, faster moving streets with yellow lines. And it was about a year before I could go out on the street with a yellow line again. Um, I'm still a little hesitant these days, but I like to spread my wings. If it's okay, I'd like to share a couple of um, free resources with your listeners. Um, again, Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I find that um, the medical community is, is absolutely invi- invaluable. But um, there are a lot of things that individual survivors and families can do on a case-by-case basis, resources that are available that um, are either free or very low cost. 
The first one is um, an online um, book, for lack of a better term, called The TBI Guide. And it's written by a guy named Dr. Glenn Johnson. I read this about four, maybe six months after my injury. The URL is tbiguide.com. And um, I think it's probably 30 or 40 pages. And Dr. Johnson actually pulls from 20-plus years of clinical experience working with brain-injured folks. And one of the pieces that he talks about that caught my eye is he said in his years of practice he'd never seen a brain injury um, survivor ever get back to 100%. Some have claimed to get back to 90%, um, but never has anybody come back entirely. And rather than use that as a source of discouragement, I said to my wife, Sarah, I'm going to do the best I can to get back to that 90% mark. And um, what it did is it also kind of set my expectations where, hey, David, work as hard as you want. You're probably not going to regain everything you've lost. And in, re in many respects, I've gained uh, on some fronts more than I ever had. So the TBI guide is one great resource. Uh, I'm going to put out a couple of book titles out there as well. Uh, last year, I read a book uh, called The Brain That Changes Itself by Dr. Norman Deutsch, and he talks about uh, neuroplasticity, and you, 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 you um, touched on it earlier in our conversation where brains literally re rewire themselves, and he talks a lot about late-stage recovery people that he had worked with eight, nine, ten years post-injury, a couple of them were stroke survivors with mobility issues, and he was able to help them affect significant gains many years post-injury. And for folks that are listening that are, that are, you know, two, three, five, ten years out who think, you know what, it's over, it's not. And the other title that's kind of fascinating is um, um, My Stroke of Impact. Um, and the author's name just escaped me. Um, and in that book, the author talks about having measurable gains um, eight year, up to eight years after a stroke. And uh, the only reason she stopped at eight years is because that's when her book came out. So there, there are a lot of resources that are out there that are either free or low cost. And the other one, I would be remiss by not putting this on the list, um, as we grew our network, we, um, and you mentioned it earlier, and thank you for that, uh, we started producing a monthly magazine. For the first few years, it was strictly digital. Uh, we had a number, of push, a number of requests and some pushback from readers saying, can you put a print version out there as well? Um, but if um, you head over to our website at hopeafterbraininjury.com, um, there's an easy sign-up form, and once a month we put a magazine out. 99% um, of our readers opt for the free version. It's a digital download, um, and I like to think of it um, akin to the Reader's Digest of Brain Injury. Uh, we've got survivor stories, caregiver stories, uh, stories by members of the professional and medical community. Uh, again, your story in the May issue is much appreciated. So there are a lot of individual pieces out there. No one of them will really change the game entirely. It's like cobbling a road. You grab from this, you grab from that, you find the end of isolation and develop compensatory strategies that work best for your individual situation. 
Well, and one of the things that I think it's important for us to mention to the listeners is that every brain injury is individual. It can certainly have the same diagnosis, whether it be mild, moderate, severe, traumatic, mild traumatic, but they all come with different residual deficits depending on age, depending on degree of injury, loss of consciousness. So it's very individual. I'm really thankful that you listed those books. Um, I've met Dr. Norman Deutsch. That book is phenomenal. And it just goes to show how resilient the brain is and just what it can do after an impact or, or an injury like we're talking about Now, I do have to get you to talk about your book because I have a question about your book, but tell us about your book entitled Metamorphosis and when you decided to write it and when you published it. Okay. Um, Actually, I never intended on writing a book. Um, I have known for years that writing and written inventorying and journaling are all very healthy. And as I worked my way through that first year, I started regular journal entries. Um, And I think part of it was um, that it was an effort to make sense of the senseless. Um, I'd never knowingly met a brain injury survivor in my life prior to my injury. Um, Unknowingly, I'm sure I did, because as you touched on, we are very much, but not solely, an invisible population. And I realized at some point um, in mid to late 2011 that I could actually take the individual journal entries that I wrote, put them together as one volume, and put them out there, put it out there as a, as a book. Um, I chose the name Metamorphosis because um, when I was a kid, I was a butterfly collector, uh, still fascinated by butterflies. But if you take a look at the life cycle of a butterfly, you've got a caterpillar who's happily chomping away on leaves. At one point, in an instant, he says, okay, this life is over. And he goes into a really dark space inside his cocoon for a lengthy period of time. And then emerges as somebody that's entirely different from who he was in his past life. And Deb, if you can't, I don't, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a better um, analogy for those of us within the brain injury community. And uh, so I I compiled um, a 200-page book and um, put it out there on Amazon with the hope of being able to share my own experience um, uh, to help others. And the part that I marvel at is it's been, uh, say, 2012. I still can't believe that this year will be eight years as a survivor. In one respect, I sit back and go, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm still here. And in the other, on the other side, I sit back and think, you know what, thank God those early years are behind me because it did get easier. Um, my life is still defined by daily challenges, um, daily struggles, but it's not to the extent that it was early on. So, yeah, the, uh, the, the book was meant initially just to be part of my own healing And kind of like launching a ship, I put it out there for the world, hoping that it could in turn help others. And, you know, in the year since, it's one of the top ranked um, review, uh, top reviewed books on Amazon in terms of um, uh, the way their internal structure works. And the comments are all very similar. Oh, my goodness. You know what? Thank you. I've 
found somebody who has shared my story. Um, uh, well, and it seems it seems to be kind of a repetitive pattern for us in the interview. It's that relatability and inclusion piece because I'm sure a lot of survivors are reading those pages, going, "He's just summarized everything I'm feeling." Yeah, and that's that's powerful. So we have a couple of minutes left. So. My question is, if I order the book on Amazon, are you going to sign it for me? <laughs> Actually, Amazon does a printer-to-reader um, direct model where they ship directly from Amazon Fulfillment. Oh, uh, they do. I should. Yeah, I, I think I need to. I need to give you extra work so I can get a signed copy. I'll be I'm sure just, to send. I'll stop. I'll send one up to you. No worries at all. I definitely want to have one. And you just, I want to mention one uh, quick point before you leave. I know that you mentioned in the preview of your book about imaging. And as a health professional, I just really want to reiterate, reiterate this, is that people that are listening, if you have a loved one that has had a CAT scan and it became and it came back normal or an MRI, and I know you allude to this in your book, that does not mean that there's not an injury there. So I just encourage our listeners to reach out and become part of the TBI Hope and Inspiration Network. And I want to thank you for spending uh, a little bit of time with me this afternoon and being our sponsor all month. We're going to continue to let our, our listeners worldwide know about the wonderful work that you're doing through the network and your Facebook page and just keep stepping into your greatness, David, because I, I just sit back and think, what's he going to do next? <laughs> well, and back back at you, Deb. Thank you for all you do. I know you're not a, a silent presence out there. Um, you know, one of the pieces that uh, my wife and I talk about regularly is if everybody could take their biggest struggle, work through it to the best of their ability, and then at least in some way, shape, or form help others who have the same struggle, what a world we live in. Well, and, and I think that's the definition of a good life. Hmm. Amen. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you so much. And I wish you continued success. And I know we, we will continue to talk. And thanks again for your time and coming on the Changebook Radio Show. Okay. Thank you, Deb. You're welcome. Just a tremendous insightful, inspirational, educational interview with David Grant, the publisher of Hope Magazine. And I just love the vantage point. He's a freelance writer. He is the author of Metamorphosis, Surviving Brain Injury. And like he said, he's coming up on years since he sustained his traumatic brain injury and is living a transparent fulfilling life and truly paying it forward by helping other people around the world who have sustained a brain injury. And I love that their Facebook page has over 26,000 members from 50 countries and 80% of that membership is made up of survivors. So check them out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash TBI hope and inspiration. So this is Deb Crow from the from the Change Book Radio Show. And thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I hope you're taking away a couple of nuggets. And if you know anyone who has a brain injury or is caregiving, 
please send them this show and all the resources that we've listed. I'll be back here next Wednesday. Have a great week.